Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. I really enjoy YouTube. Anybody else like YouTube? Well, you're not sure what I'm going to say about it yet, so you don't know if you want to raise your hands or not. Uh, but I learned so much from YouTube, seriously. And I mean, I learned lots of uh, Christian stuff from the Bible, all sorts of other things, the funny videos, silly videos, you know. And you can find out just about anything you want to know. You can look up why do we lose our hair and gain weight. I mean, you can, uh, so many things that I enjoy. The, the other day I was, uh, watched some video and I, get, and I just kind of looked over at the side where they show their other recommended videos, you know, and, and I start scrolling through it and seeing time and time again. I, here's the kinds of things that I read. Missy Robertson reveals infuriating experience. Kristen Hawkins crushes pro-choice logic. Jordan Peterson destroying woke liberals for 14 minutes. Charlie Kirk crushes pro-trans student activists. Matt Walsh slams gender studies professor. Mark Green lambasts Alejandro Mayorkas. Democrats are fuming over women's sports bill. This is why Americans are outraged. August Fluger hammers Biden over Afghanistan withdrawal. Roseanne Barr shuts down Jimmy Fallon. That kind of... But... What hit me is that that, that that language seems to be the kind of thing we want to say, right? We want to use some language that just kind of stirs people up and makes them want to watch. Because this doesn't say anything really good about our culture. That this is the way we, we got to, because you know why they do it? Why do they use that language? Because they know that you'll click on it. Right? We don't have to, but I mean, but that's the whole idea. And it's this using of words in a way that's really ultimately not a positive thing. And, and um, I mean, YouTube is YouTube, but um, it just tells us something about our culture and the words and the power of words and how they get used. Now, words... Ever had anybody say something to you that just, you went, that hurt? Yeah? Well, there's an old saying that I learned when I was growing up. You probably know it, and if you know it, finish saying it. Sticks and stones may Okay, yes, that's right. That's the way I learned. Words can never hurt me. And, and I remember saying that, especially as a kid, when the older kids were being mean to us and bullying us and calling us names. And I, But words can never hurt me, right? And, I, you know, I understand, uh, you know, what the, the point of this is. Um, and by the way, it was in 1862, that phrase appears in a newspaper article. And at that time, it calls it an old adage. So that rhyme has, you know, that saying has been around for a long time, okay? And, uh, but there's a problem with it. And here's the problem. 
It just ain't so. It's just not true that words can never hurt us. In fact, here's this, the, the, uh, the fellow named, uh, I think with Tim Chastain says it this way. He says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can do permanent damage. And that's the truth. You know, if you think back on your life, there's a good chance that you have been affected negatively by things that people said to you or about you. You know, how, how about, you've ever heard these kinds of things? You're ugly. <laughs> and these things happen when our kids. And, and so here's the thing. It's, it, some of these things, if you heard them for the first time when you were older, you'd go, whatever. <laughs> but if you are young and not able to really discern how this all works, if you are older and at a very vulnerable time in your life, words can come in and do Big damage to us. Let's go to that next slide there. You're ugly, okay? I, I'm not saying that to you today, okay? <laughs> or how about you're stupid? You know, you'll, you'll never be good at this. Or why can't you be more like your sister or your brother? Or, you know, you'll never amount to anything. What's wrong with you? By the way, if you're a parent, whether you've ever said, never say that to your child. Because you're communicating way more than you mean to communicate at that point in time. But so these ideas, these words can go in and do damage and harm us. And where we're, you know, how do we deal with these things? Um, and like I said, even as an adult, if it's a vulnerable time for you. I remember uh, back when I became the pastor of this church in, the, in the, the very first few months. In fact, it was just about this time of year uh, that... Um, I was someone that I had looked up to in my life, who I had trusted, who had been like a mentor to me in many, many ways. Shortly after I became the pastor, looked at me and said to me, you're not pastor material and you know it. Well, yeah, at the moment I just go, oh yeah, whatever, right? but man, do you know what happened every time I found myself in a situation where I was struggling with what do I need to do or how do I lead or guess what I heard? You're not pastor material and you know it. It took a, quite a few years for me to work out of that and I thankfully I was able to. But it used to kind of just hang out in this closet I had and every now and then it would crack the door and whisper to me. And undoubtedly, some of the things that have been said to you, you've experienced the same thing. They may still be hanging around in the attic of your mind or the closet over there. It's still bothering you. So if you're one of those people, like I was, who at some point in your life have really been wounded by words, um, our sermon from last week sets you up to get free of that and get healed from that. Because you remember, uh, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Go ahead and go to that, Eduardo. You're my disciples and indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Uh, because eight-year-old you hearing from 13-year-old somebody something that wasn't true, but you took it to heart. You know, you need to get free from that. 
43-year-old you hearing it from somebody. You need to get free from that. And so the idea is we have to get into the word of God. We have to learn to live the way Jesus tells us to. Learn to think the way that he, he, we're supposed to think, his teachings. And then we have to do this. Learn to tell yourself the truth. You got to tell yourself the truth that, okay, yes, that's what that is said is not true. Here's what's true. Here's what God says about me. Man, we just sang it this morning. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm not going to be a slave to other stuff. I am a child of God, right? That's who I am. That makes me valuable. That makes me significant. And whoever said whatever, they have... They don't even know what they're talking about. God knows me better than anybody and he says these things are true about me. We have another song we sing like that to God. I am who you say I am. I'm not who other people say I am. And so we've got to tell ourselves the truth and keep telling ourselves the truth. Okay? And so today we are going to talk about this idea of the power of words and I've entitled the sermon Verbal Vandalism and Arson. Okay? Uh, because words can be hurtful like that. Uh, and so how does ver- this, this idea of words get into our hard topics? <laughs> Sermon series. Well, it's because, well, you're going to see. You're going to see why. The idea is it does hit close to home. Because the reality is it isn't just other people who've said things to us. It's what's come out of our own mouths and why. And it's kind of hard sometimes to take a close look at ourselves and deal with this. So we're going to look at two passages of scriptures today. Let's go to the first one in James. James chapter 3. And if you don't have a Bible with you today, that's fine, but you can take one. There should be one under the chairs there in front of you someplace and turn to page 1,387. 1,387, James chapter 3. And it starts off with a warning for pastors and and teachers. He says this, he says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many things. And, And so he's saying, if you're going to be a teacher, if you're going to be the one who's going to stand up and speak, For the Lord, here's what God says from his word. You have to use words to do that, don't you? I have to use words. I guess I could stand up and pantomime. But no, we use words to to communicate things. And, And because we use words, it's easy to make a mistake. If your heart's not right, it becomes sin even. Okay? But it's easy to, to, to say something you didn't really mean to say or to say it in a way you didn't mean to say it or to hold back and not say something that you should say. See, I take this very seriously. I, I, I pray uh, a lot as before I prepare a sermon, while I'm preparing it, after it's prepared, even while I'm preaching it, that, that I would be true to what God wants to say to you. So please understand that when you come, be, be prayerful. Be saying, Lord, I want, I mean, I'm going to hear Walt today, but I want to hear you through Walt. Okay, and, and, and that's where we need to be. But I take this very seriously. It says here that I will be judged more strictly with how I use my words. Okay? 
And so he's, that's why he's saying, you know, don't be in a hurry to become a teacher because you're going to have a stricter judgment. And as he said, for we all stumble in many things. We do. All right, so let's continue. Now he starts to talk about this problem more, not just for preachers anymore, but it's for all of us. Because he says, if anyone, no longer just the preacher, teacher, if anyone does not stumble in word, and by stumble, he doesn't mean you stumble over your words. He says, if we stumble, he means that we sin with our words. If anyone does not stumble or sin in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Man, if you can keep your tongue from sinning with your tongue and with your words, everything else is going to come easy. Verse 3, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. And I've thought about that. It's, it's interesting, but I, but I realize if you put a bit in my mouth, well, I think I'm going wherever you want me to. Right? Pull it hard, I'm going. But it's what? How big is a horse? Big. And they have that small bit in their mouth and it enables them to be led wherever a person much smaller than they are wants them to go. Okay, so a small thing that's very, very powerful. Verse four, look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Again, this small rudder on the back of this big ship steers the whole ship. And again, we're pointing this idea of a small part of our body, our tongue, our mouth, that has a huge impact. Okay? Verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire Kindles. How much fire does it take to burn an entire forest down? Not much. Small little fire that ends up where it's not supposed to be can burn the entire forest down. So our tongues, our words, maybe a small thing, but in the wrong place, the wrong way, very powerful for good or bad. So First thing we see, and we're going to get, jump back in this passage here, but is this truth. What we say and how we say it really matters. What we say and how we say it really matters. Proverbs says it like this, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Very, very powerful. Very, very important. So we, we see in the book of Proverbs a bunch of stuff about our tongue, use of our tongue, our words. Okay, and look at some examples of negative results. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor with his mouth. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword. And we've all experienced that. Words were said, you hear with your ears, but it's like a sword went into you. And then in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. So the more that you talk, the more likely you are to sin with your mouth. Now, our words also can have a very strong positive impact. Look up here. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. Uh, if, you, if you use your tongue well, it's very, very valuable. The tongue of the wise promotes health. What you say can really make a difference in a person's life and encourage them, help them to be emotionally healthy, mentally healthy, how you talk to them. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Every now and then somebody comes along to me and they talk to me and they say something to me, maybe about me, that I, it's just like inside, it's like, 
So good, so nice. And there's a couple of, a few other places in, in Proverbs here where you have both the positive and the negative shown together. Now the mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. Be careful in what you say. But he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Go ahead. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. This is a really good verse for married couples or those who want to be. Because have you ever been in a situation where your spouse was angry and said something to you and you responded harshly back? What happened? Your spouse goes, oh boy, you're so right, I'm sorry. I <laughs> no, what you're gonna hear is, I can't believe you just said that, right? And so, our words, we have that power. Instead, we can answer something. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Tell me about it. And, and you can take things down a few notches. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. So what we say and how we say it really, really matters. Go ahead and go to that next slide, if you would, Eduardo. So let's remember that. What we say and how we say it really matters. So let's go back into James here. Verse number six. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Iniquity is that idea of being self-willed, self-ruled, doing your own thing instead of God's thing. And that's what we tend to do sometimes with our words. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. So when the tongue is out of control, this is not a good thing. Is that an understatement? It's a, okay, it's, it's a bad thing. And it isn't accomplishing God's purposes, it's accomplishing the enemy's purposes. It says, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So if I'm understanding this right, human beings are by nature incapable of perfectly controlling what they say. Seems like that's what it's saying, doesn't it? And that, that rubs me the wrong way. Because all through life, I know you're capable of doing what's right. You're capable of doing what's right. And yet here the word is telling me, and the word is right, not me, that there, in some sense we never fully gain control over our tongues and what we say. I think we can make tremendous progress, but it's always there, just waiting. Okay. So let's read through the rest of the verses he talks about. Verse nine, with it, with our tongue, with our words, we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God or the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs. Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. And so he's challenging us to look at our words and how we talk and say, wait a minute. 
We talk about uh, this when you talk about someone talking out of both sides of their mouth. Right. We know what that means. Right. They're saying one thing here. Well, different thing here. And he says this ought not to be. What really needs to be is that inside. And we're going to talk about this, but what's coming out is consistent with what it means to follow Christ. And that's why we have to keep evaluating ourselves in these things. So we have this problem then, because what we say really matters, but we don't have the ability to to completely address the issue. Now, there's good news here. And the good news is that when we are weak, we are in a position to experience his strength, right? Right? And so in these things, with the Lord's help, we can do better. We can do way better. And maybe might be something we're going to continue to deal with, but we can make tremendous progress. So now let's turn to Matthew chapter 15. Jesus has something to say about this. Uh, this is very informative and I think will help us to understand what the issues are and how do we do something about it. It says, then, chapter 15, and by the way, the, uh, the page number 1129 there in the Bible under the chairs. The Jewish religious leaders of this day, for the most part, were always trying to catch Jesus in something he was teaching or something he and his disciples were doing so they could accuse him and they wanted to accuse him so that they could discredit him. And if they could discredit him, they could continue doing what they were doing. If he was right, they couldn't. So, Chapter 15, verse 1. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. So let's just stop right there. Uh, How many of you have ever told your kids that they should wash their hands before they eat? Okay. That is a good idea. Have you ever not washed your hands before you ate? Okay. So... God, in his word for the people in the Old Testament, gave them lots of different laws and regulations intended to help them stay healthy. And some of that was the the washings that they had to do. Some of those washings symbolized other things, but part of this washing was uh, to be healthy, okay? But it is not a sin to not wash your hands before you eat. You guys with me on that, you think? Okay, and that's what Jesus is going to point out here to them. But these religious leaders had done with this what they had done with all of the law and, and twisted it and made it about what it wasn't about. So here's the law, you know, ceremony. Let's wash your hands. Yes, before you eat, that's a great thing. We should do that. Okay. And, but if you don't, it doesn't make you unspiritual. If you don't, it isn't a sin. But they had made the washing of the hands what mattered. If you don't wash your hands, man, you aren't spiritual. You're sinning against God. You aren't even serious about your faith because you don't wash your hands before you eat. And so why don't your disciples wash their hands? They're setting aside the traditions of the elders. Well, Jesus answered, and he answered with a question, which he often does. Verse three, he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? I want you to notice two things. First of all, in verse 15, the disciples talk about the tradition of the elders. Notice this is their religious traditions related to what God had said. And Jesus talks about what God had said. See that? He says the commandment. 
All right. He says, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded saying, honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. So let's just stop there. The idea was this, that as parents get older, like Glenda and I just spent uh, Monday through Friday back in Missouri trying to help with her parents again, you know, they're elderly and trying to work things out. But what was happening here was their parents would get elder. They couldn't work anymore. Maybe they had needs. They needed their children to help to provide for them. And what they would say, they, they had come up with this way of saying, wait a minute, whatever profit I have, I'm going to commit it to God. And I'll use it however he wants me to use it. And, you know. And in so doing, they said, oh, I don't have any money to help you with, Mom. I don't have any money to help you with, Dad, because I've given it as a gift to God. Even though they still had it in their control. And so what have they done? The rest of the phrase, thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. And then Jesus used strong words. We're talking about strong words today. And there are times and places to use strong words. Verse 7, hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines, the commandments of men. And then he goes to the crowd. Okay, come here, come here. I got something to tell you. He draws the crowd in closer. Verse 10, when he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. So they were worried about the washing because something might go in and you would be defiled. You'd be unspiritual. You'd be sinning. And Jesus says, no, no, no. That's not how it works. It's what comes out of the mouth that shows that you're unspiritual, sinning. Do you think everybody understood? Some of us don't understand here right now. What's the point he's making? Okay, well, we'll see here. Verse 12, then his disciples came and said to him, and, and I kind of chuckle this. Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Hypocrites, did you know that they were offended? Interesting Jesus' answer here. Verse 13, but he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They're blind leaders of the blind and if the blind leads to the blind, both will fall into a ditch. He's saying where they are at in their lives, where they are at spiritually and mentally and then their opposition to God and the things of God, they are just, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Leave them alone. All right, so why, Walt, why are we reading these stories when we're talking about our words? Let's continue. Verse 15, then Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us, the idea that it's not what goes in that defiles, it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles. So Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? Okay, we go in, we eat it, we swallow it, it goes in and eventually it's eliminated. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. 
For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. All right, so he's, he just made a huge link between our hearts and our words. And so we'll say it this way. The condition of your heart will eventually determine what you say. Now, can, can a person be an evil person and hate God and then say, oh, I think religion is good? Can they say that? Yes. Well, wait a minute. How does it match their heart? Yes, it does because they're lying through their teeth. They're telling a lie. You see what I'm saying? And that's what's coming up out of their hearts. Okay? Um, and so whether it's good or bad, whatever's coming, it's coming from our hearts. And so here's the truth that we need to get because we're talking about our words and wanting to make sure we use them rightly. If you have difficulty speaking properly on a consistent basis, focus on your inner spiritual condition. Uh, anybody in here, your language has changed since you became a Christian? Anybody? How many? Oh, a lot of us, okay. All right. Yeah, our language changes. But here's the thing. Why did it change? Why does it change? If you just start saying, oh, I need to talk differently and I can't say this word and this one. Oh, that's a really bad word. Don't say that one and this. And we have all these rules and we're trying to follow those rules and not say them. And we start to say, no, we're missing the point. The reason these changes need to occur is because our hearts should be changing. Why we're talking should be changing. Who we are interested in pleasing should be changing. So if you're having a problem with the words, look into the heart. Okay, so that's what we need to address. What's going on in my heart? What is it that's motivating? What am I loving? Why am I saying these things? And, and here's just, a, this kind of hit me as I was going along, just a note, uh, sort of a side note. What doesn't come out of your mouth also has a heart connection. The scriptures say rejoice with those who rejoice. That probably involves some words, doesn't it? <coughs> weep with those who weep and you know, care and comfort, right? That probably involves some words. Share your faith with other people. Be a witness. That probably involves what? Some words. And so when we don't speak those words, when we don't talk in those ways, that also says something about our heart connection, okay? So the real issue here is not what we're saying, but what it means about our hearts, okay? So that's a connection we wanna keep in mind. Now, but let's, let's take a little bit here and evaluate some types of speech that might indicate that your heart is not in the right place, that there's a heart issue to deal with, okay? First one is this, using the Lord's name as a curse word. Using God's name as a curse word. Scripture clear, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And this idea of taking in vain, it certainly applies to using his name as a curse word. It probably means some other things too, like saying I'm a Christian and then not living like one. Okay, that would be taking in vain as well. But I really want to talk about this idea of using the Lord's name as a curse word. Let's don't do that. And can I just encourage you to clean up the rest of your language too? I, it's interesting, over the years, uh, I don't want to get too sidetracked here. 
But in the early years of my Christianity, I was in, in a religious setting that really had a lot of kind of rules about what it meant to be a Christian. They weren't bad rules, but they weren't the word of God rules. You know what I mean? They, they, were, they were good things. But like one was, man, you don't cuss. You don't cuss. You don't, you don't even say dang or darn. Just get away from it all. Get it all out of your life. And so I learned early on to do that in my heart. I want to do what God said. And so it changed my language. But what I've noticed in the last 20 years here is that Christians feel a whole lot more free with their cursing. And let me encourage you. Just don't. Why do, why do you want to curse? Why do you do that? Just look in your heart and say, wait a minute. What, how do I really want to speak? How do I want to talk? Okay, so let me encourage you to, to do that. Uh, second thing, using crude language related to sex. Okay, there's a bunch of words, ways of talking about that. Uh, and Paul said that neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, that could be what we would call dirty jokes, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks, using your mouth, your words for something good and positive. Third thing, angry outburst is a sign that there's a hard issue that you need to deal with. An angry man stirs up strife and a furious man abounds in transgression. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So we want to let that go. And if the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God, do you suppose angry words do? No angry words don't accomplish God's purposes. Okay, angry outbursts. Number four, words intended to hurt or tear down. And for some people, this is... Easy, easier isn't the word. For some people, this is just more part of who they are than others. Okay, but it's not a good sign. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And, and later on, as we're talking about uh, our words, this verse comes back into play, and I don't show it again. But no corrupt communication, but what? Only words that should come out of your mouth when you're talking to somebody is what will what? Help to build them up. That's what edify means, to build up. This is going to help build them up. This is going to impart grace. Not judgment, not whatever. Grace. Those are the only words that ought to come out of our mouths. Can you think of any words that you said this week that maybe didn't accomplish this? See, it shows that we got something going on in our hearts that we need to deal with. Number five, words intended to deceive. Scripture is very clear, do not lie one to another. Now, let's let me say, I'm not, if, if you're gonna have a surprise birthday party <laughs> for someone, and you fool them, I think that's okay, right? Now, if, if you disagree with me, that's fine. Uh, you know, I can't, I don't, I, and I, I really don't condone lying in almost any situation. But, think that, but if your wife asks you, do I look fat in this dress? <laughs> I don't really, I don't recommend you lie there, but good luck. Okay. All right. But seriously, words intended to deceive. Listen, we can tell outright bold lies, but we can also say things in a way where we deceive the person without lying. We don't really tell a lie, but we deceive the person. Okay, that fits here too. We ought not be using our words to do that. If we are, 
Shows there's a heart condition needs to be de- uh, dealt with. Number six, words motivated by pride. Okay, pride is never a good thing for us. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. This is where we're thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Um, so when our words are motivated by pride, that's an indication there's a heart problem. We need to humble ourselves. Number seven, slander. Scripture misses slander. Slander is where you share information, whether it's true or not, with the intention of damaging someone's reputation. Now, we would never do that, would we? Well, the reality is what's the, where the temptation comes is maybe there's somebody who you think is everybody oh, loves this person and they think all this, but you know what they're really like. And, and you're just going to tell some folks some stuff maybe to bring them down a few notches. Okay, that doesn't belong. That's not, that isn't edifying, is it? That's not helpful. And so it indicates there's a, a heart condition there. Number eight, and this is where hard topics really comes in. Gossip. Gossip. It's hard to find it in one little slide. But this is the idea is to sharing intimate or private information about someone to someone who has no need to know it. Okay? And while gossip often includes negative opinions or speculation, it can still be gossip without it. If you are revealing information about somebody to somebody, and the person you're revealing it to doesn't need to know it. You know? Um, this is a problem. It indicates a real heart issue that we need to deal with. Let's look at some scripture related to this. A gossip goes around telling secrets. See, that's how you're telling people things that they know or they don't know, but you know. Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. And the idea is, have you ever experienced this where somebody told you something about someone and you found yourself always thinking of them that way after that? You've been affected, haven't you? You've been infected and it's gone down your heart and the person saying it is already there too. It's, oh, I got this special thing, this special treasure. Now, when we're talking about gossip, we're not talking about sharing just, you know, matter of fact, public information, things in talking about that. We aren't, how about this? Did you hear that she's having a baby? Right, that's not a... That's not gossip, if it's a public knowledge kind of thing. Um, but here's where it, it turns. When, if the heart, depending on what's the condition of the heart, right? If the heart condition isn't right there, it, it turns like this. And this might be a response to that information. Well, I gotta say, I don't think she has any business having a baby or another baby because of this or until that. Now, why did I pick that one? I don't know, except I thought about it later, realizing that we had six kids. My daughter's had seven. I have friends who've had a bunch of kids, and we've heard these kinds of things. Okay? But so there's this in the background. Most people don't know that she, and then whatever the information is. I bet her mother isn't happy about it. You catching this idea? There's a different thing going on, isn't there? Okay, and so what is this? When we, we find, when we let ourselves begin talking like this, what do we call it? Gossip. gossip, that's right. 
It is gossip. Go to that slide if you would, Eduardo. Next one there. All right. So, man, gossip is just so hurtful and so damaging. Have you ever found out that somebody was talking about you in negative ways to other people? Or someone told something they knew about you that you really didn't want anybody else to know? Isn't that hurtful? This is devastating sometimes. And in churches, and, and thankfully, I mean, I haven't felt like we've had a gossip problem for a long time. And let's keep it that way. Okay? Let's think about this, you know. We need to be thinking, who do I talk to about this problem? Or, or, I mean, so I know something. Let's say I know something. And I'm concerned about it. And I've, maybe I don't have the opportunity to talk to this person, or I already have talked to them about it, but I'm really concerned. What do I do? Well, you might have to seek out someone who can help you with it. That's fine. You talk about it. Well, what's the goal here? To help and to... But if you talk to somebody who is not part of that, they're not part of a solution, that's where it becomes gossip. Don't do that. Talk to someone who can help to solve the problem. Maybe the person themselves, or maybe a common relationship that you have where you can go and, and deal with an issue. Don't just spread stuff. So what are some caution flags or something that might be gossip, okay? This is, is what you might say or what you might hear, hear said to you. And, and once again, we're not sitting down, oh, these are rules, don't say this exact words. No, we're talking about trying to communicate an idea. If, if someone says to you or you say it to somebody else, hey, did you hear about? When you hear that, just you know, be alert. What's going on here when you want to say it? How about this? Now, if I tell you, you can't tell anyone else. Oh, that one resonated, huh? Okay. How about this? I probably shouldn't tell you this, but... Can you keep a secret? I think there's more here to the story than we know. You know, the negative stuff that comes out. And here's the deal. Whether, you know, if you're the one saying this, if, if you're wanting to say this, and by why do we want to do this? We haven't re-examined really that, but I think we're getting something out of it for ourselves. We're saying something about someone to someone for our benefit. It makes us feel important, it makes us feel significant, uh, whatever. It makes us be part of the in group or whatever it is. But we wanna ask this question, what's going on in my heart that's making me want to say this? Right, when you find yourself wanting to share that secret or let somebody in on something that they don't know, ask yourself, what's going on in my heart? That's, is this the Lord motivating me to do this? Is this the Holy Spirit? Who wants to produce these words in me? If it's not, I need to say, okay, God, I need your help here. I need you to change my motivation, my desires here. And here's the next one. Again, this is even harder for us to walk it out in our lives, but what's going on in my heart that makes me want to listen? Because listening to gossip is no better than being the gossip. You're part of it all. And the word warns us about this. He talks about fire goes out without wood and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. So the idea is don't be part of the fuel of keeping that fire going. Don't. 
Okay? A gossip goes around telling secrets, so don't hang around with chatterers. There may be people that you start to realize they are gossips, and I'm just not going to expose myself to this. I like the way Pastor Dave talks about this. He says, if you will listen to things like this, you will become a dumping ground for everybody's garbage. Just don't. You may have to make some decisions about, I'm not going to be in this situation. So let's just draw to a close here. Remember, two things I want you to remember here today. And the first one is this. Uh, that if you're struggling with how you use your words, you have a heart issue. Now, you have a heart issue. That's not what I'm saying. We all find ourselves with heart issues, right? There's things in our hearts that we need to address and deal with. But realize that. It's not about learning not to say certain words or certain phrases or sin. No, it's about what's going on in my heart. And that's something you take up with the Lord, hopefully every day, sometimes moment by moment. The second thing is merely this. Focus on becoming more like Jesus in your heart so your words will become more like his words. And this is just a purposeful day in and day out. I need to grow. I need to be in the word. I need to be talking with God. I need to be taking steps of faith, the things that he tells me. I need to be living this out. And that helps to change the condition of the heart, which will what? Jesus said, out of the heart comes our words. And so you work on the heart, it's gonna, you're going to do better with your words. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see in our own lives, not just right now, but as we go forward from here today and tomorrow and the days to come, that we would be alert uh, to what's coming out of our mouths and whether it's something that's good and helpful or whether something else is going on. And, and I pray you would keep reminding us to, to uh, work on the condition of our hearts that we would be yielded to you Uh, desiring to please you, being motivated by you and what you say is right so that our words, Lord, can become helpful things and not negative. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And and let me say, I meant to say, you know, you can't fix the condition of your heart until you receive Jesus as Savior. That's where it starts, recognizing you're a sinner before a holy God, You die in that condition, you're separated from him forever in hell. Jesus died for your sins, rose again from the dead and offers you, if you will acknowledge that you're a sinner and need a savior and then put your faith and trust in Jesus, what he did for you, then you can have every sin forgiven, receive eternal life and God moves in and begins helping you to work on the condition of your heart, okay? All right, well, let's check and see if we have any questions today. Yes, good. Let's see here. Oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's a cool question. All right, in regards to lying, what are your thoughts on Rahab lying and being blessed? God blessed her. Was she blessed because she lied or in spite of her lie? And that last one, I'm just going um, to punt and say I'm not sure. Uh, I think the blessing is because she was wanting, she was aligning herself with God. But here's the deal. In the Old Testament, Rahab, she hid the Israeli spies. And when the people came looking for them, she lied and said they weren't there. All right. Um, Here's the way I I think of this. And I didn't want to try to get into this in the sermon and sidetrack at all. But this is the right place to deal with it. Um, The Bible says, don't kill. Right? Don't commit murder. Don't kill. 
And yet if you kill someone in self-defense, the Bible says you are not guilty of breaking that commandment. You see, right? You're not supposed to kill, but if you kill defending yourself, it's not a sin. Well, I would say if you can kill someone in self-defense, physical self-defense, you can lie to someone to keep from being killed. Does that make sense? Okay. That's, that's how I'd answer it. I'd be glad to talk more with you about that if you want. I mean, I think it was a very appropriate thing for, for uh, the German, some of the German people, the Christians, to hide Jewish people in Hitler's Germany and lie about it. They were protecting their lives, okay? All right, good question. One more, let's see here. Oh, interesting. I'm just going to read this to you. It's not really a question. The seven deadly sins, okay, the, the, obviously the Christians over the years and the churches have, you know, kind of established what they would consider uh, this list. Seven deadly sins are pride, anger, indifference, envy, greed, lust, and gluttony. Hey, I don't like that last one. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I, I do like it. The, the seven deadly sins include nearly every kind of human sin imaginable. But there is a deadly sin that failed to be included in the list of the seven deadly sins. And the eighth deadly sin is gossip. 